Scripture lesson, as I said earlier, is from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, verse 46 through 55. This uh, literally is a song. You may have heard it called the Magnificat. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am I rejoice in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. God shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. God has shown strength with God's arm and scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. God has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. God has come to the aid of God's servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. A good song can stir something within us like almost nothing else can. Sure, there are those songs that start our toes to tapping or our heads to bobbing or even our fingers to snapping or our hands to clapping. But there are also those songs written by people with names like Dylan or Taylor or Chuck D, or Lennon, or Young, that stir something deeper within us, something more than just an urge to simply listen or just move around or dance. There are those songs that actually almost provoke us. They provoke us to listen to stories we might otherwise ignore. They provoke us to look maybe within ourselves to examine the kind of person we are in light of those around us. There are those songs that provoke us to action, songs that unapologetically provoke us to think differently, to be different. Those kinds of songs don't always make the top 40 lists, but when we hear those kinds of songs, when we listen to their words and their haunting melodies, they stir something within us that just might cause us to do something. I think of songs like, See How We Are by the band X with its lyrics about overcrowded prisons and our passive indifferences towards others in the midst of our own luxury. I think of songs like Only a Pawn in Their Game by Bob Dylan, how it speaks of the systemic racism in the South around the time of Medgar Evers' murder. I think of songs like Bruce Springsteen's Ghost of Tom Joad and, of course, the cover of that song by Rage Against the Machine and the way it speaks to the real plight of poor people in this country even decades after the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression. And during this time of year, I cannot help but think of the Christmas hymn, Oh, Holy Night, and the stanza in particular that says, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, 
and in his name all oppression shall cease. When I hear songs like that, something is stirred within me, and I cannot quite explain, and certainly cannot ignore it. There are truly few things in the world to me like a good song, because there are few things in this world, I believe, that can provoke our hearts to action quite like one of those special songs. Now, this song of Mary's, as I said earlier, is called the Magnificat, which simply means magnify. This name, Magnificat, seems rather tame, however, considering that what we just read from Luke's gospel, this Magnificat, was actually a radical protest song. It's the kind of song that the enslaved Israelites sang in Egypt. It's the kind of song you might have heard on the lips of the exiled Judeans in Babylon. It's the kind of song that has been sung by countless people of faith throughout the ages in resistance, in defiance, of empires and slavers, of terrorists, invaders, and the like. Mary no doubt knows what can happen to an unwed girl who begins to show, and so she hastily travels to see her much older cousin, Elizabeth, who is miraculously pregnant herself. And upon Elizabeth's greeting and her child, John the Baptist's leap of recognition, the next words we hear from Mary after her coming to grips with her own pregnancy in verse 38 are the words of the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise. Now, if you take a moment to really read or listen to Mary's song, you'll quickly see why it wouldn't stand a chance as a pop tune or even as a top 10 song on especially contemporary Christian radio. Listen again to some of these lyrics. God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. Now, that's not exactly what some clergy colleagues of mine and I call a happy clappy song. This is a song proclaiming God's justice, God's putting things right side up after they've been upside down for so long. This isn't just a song praising God for, for the God, God has brought up this singled-out girl from obscurity. This is a song about how God will use Mary and the child she's bearing to right the balances of the world. This is a song about bringing down systems of injustice, about breaking chains of generational oppression, a song about what this coming child is actually bringing into the world with him. This is a song that ought to provoke something in the hearts of those who hear it, and treasure the message of the one called Jesus of Nazareth. It might even move us to action if we dare to take it to heart. Mary, this poor, unwed, pregnant teenager, a member of an oppressed race, the one with whom God found favor, sings about the justice of God's inbreaking kingdom. In spite of everything she sees around her, in spite of everything she knows to be true about the unjust world in which she lives, Mary sings, she sings, and her song is more melodious than just, thank you. Her song is a call to recognize God's coming dream for the world, the realm of God, 
the kingdom of God. Her song is a call to name the injustices in the present world in which we live and expose them to the light and the coming of this dream. We call it the kingdom because that's the only frame of reference people had, but many Christians, we've learned to leave out the G in favor of calling it the kingdom because kinfolk is what God wants this world to look like in action. Healthy kinfolk. <laughs> Mary's song is a song of joy yet to be fully realized by the world. And the wonders of God's joy are only glimpsed by those with eyes to see this dream for the world, even while we're in the middle of this mess, this chaotic mess. Mary's song is truly an Advent song because it provokes us to look forward, to adjust our eyes as we anticipate what the arrival of Jesus once again into our world just might look like today in real life on earth as it is in heaven. That is, after all, what this season is about. Looking forward to the arrival of that little baby, the one who in absolute vulnerability arrived that first Christmas and was himself an inbreaking of God's kingdom into a world that had gotten some things upside down. Like Mary, there are countless people in this world who are poor, who live without the conveniences that you and I take for granted, things as simple to us as clean water or enough food to eat. Like Mary, there are those who live in this world who have been pushed to the margins of society because of the situations in which they live or because of the labels placed on them, usually by the powerful or by the religious for that matter and the majority, whoever they happen to be. And like Mary, there are even those in our own context who are oppressed and treated with suspicion because of the color of their skin and treated as less than because of who they are or who they love. I'm thinking of our LGBTQ beloveds here and of many other groups. Like Mary, there are those who live with the constant gossip, the never-ending finger-pointing, the side-eye glances of those who secretly, or for that matter, even publicly judge them. Like Mary, they sing, they pray for justice. They sing somehow amazingly, with, not with a happy, clappy, artificial joy, but with an authentic, determined, joy-filled voice that sincerely longs for that day when the world will be set right. They are filled with joy, the Marys of the world, that is, because they can see this vision of God. They can feel it. They can almost taste it, that the day is coming when the proud, in fact, will be scattered in the thoughts of their own hearts when the powerful will be brought down from their thrones and their paid-for offices, when the lowly will be lifted up, when the hungry will be filled, and the rich will be sent packing. Like Mary, these other Marys of the world, they sing an Advent song, longing for the coming day when, in the words of the prophet, justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Like Mary, we all live in a world that is upside down, a world where injustice and systemic sin control far too much. And so many, if not most, are blinded to some degree by comfort or greed 
our selfishness, our privilege to see such injustices. And there are those who would silence Mary's song of radical joy and vision. There are those who would halt the advent of Christ and stop the inbreaking of God's kingdom, this dream for the world. But the great irony is most would neither ever admit it or realize their opposition to this vision of a world made right. Why would they? Their bellies are full. Their wallets are fat. Their lives are lived in excess and power, and quite frankly, they like the scales just the way they're balanced right now. And too often, those people occupy positions of power during the week and even pews on Sunday mornings or evenings. Too often, one of those people looks at me from the mirror. And yet, Mary still sings. All the Marys of the world still, thanks be to God, sing. And together they sing a song of joy, knowing that this world with all of its brokenness and all of its injustice is not how things will finally end up in the end. They sing because the kingdom is still coming. The light of the world is still, and for that matter, has always been right here among us, in us, working within us and through us to bring the fullness of God's vision of a world of justice and equality into a present reality. You know something? Even those of us who aren't Marys, per se, but we have the eyes to see this vision, we're learning to sing while we work for such a world. It's the anthem of a world set right. Let those who have the eyes to see and those who have the ears to hear the song in the distance learn to work while we wait for such a world. It's the anthem of a world set right. Let those who believe in this vision join the Marys of this world and let us sing together an Advent song with a strange, haunting melody which recognizes the broken conditions of this world while provoking something deep within us to work for change at the very same time. For there's nothing quite like a good song, is there, to provoke us to do something about our faith and to provoke us to work and move continually towards God's justice. That's the wonder of God's joy as seen in Mary's Magnificat and witnessed in the songs of those who share her vision and her joy in that vision today. This kind of Advent joy means seeing things the way they truly are, all the while catching God's vision, God's dream for the way things could be, and then ultimately answering the call to do our own part. Let those who have eyes to see the vision and ears to hear that haunting song of joy do our own parts. Do you hear what I hear? I think some of you just might. Amen.